0: I could use my tech skills for good, right? Like my my experience and my education in technology could be used for something good. And I can't change that technology has taken over the world, but I can change who is losing their jobs and who's getting jobs.
1: If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me is Christina Newton from uh, the Hype Foundation. Uh, It's an organization that is really about, uh, it's doing doing several things, but mostly it's about empowering uh, women of color to make sure that they are getting their rightful place in technology, that they don't accept the uh, constructs and narratives that are presented in front of them. Very, very important work. Uh, that's frankly not done enough, and then also not done enough by people that look like us. Because I think there yeah. can be people that are well intentioned, um, but don't have the experience, and that leaves a lot of rooms for gaps and mistakes. So, absolutely, uh, Christina, thank you, and great to have you on the show.
0: Awesome, thank you, Rob, for having me.
1: I am curious. You've uh, your background. Uh, you have a technical background. You were in a career where I'm sure you were doing well. Uh, stepping into the nonprofit world world is not for the faint of hearts. It is a hard, hard thing. It's very similar to being an entrepreneur um, where, you know, you, you not guaranteed what you, what what you're going to eat. You have to go after, you (laughs) have to keep what you kill. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's a very hard life and it, but it's, it's it's a noble life and I'm glad you're doing it. But what made you take that leap of faith, if you will, into this, into this, into what you're doing now. uh, And I'm glad for the things that you're doing, but, you know why did you decide that I need to do this and I have to be the one that leads this?
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I, it was decided for me, if I can be honest. Okay, I did not choose intentionally uh, to to start a nonprofit organization, as you mentioned. I was doing well as a computer engineer. Um, worked as an as an engineer for seven years, and I, you know. The problems that I'm sure we'll talk about more and that everyone is very much becoming aware of now around the lack of diversity in technology was my experience for my entire career. So, I, you know, in seven years and as a consultant where I worked on many different projects for many different companies, right? I, I, it's not like I just stayed at, you know, the same company. Um, I never had. A, a teammate, or you know, a, a colleague, or you know, someone on my tech team who was a black woman. So seven years, never had another black woman on my team in the tech, you know, side of things. Um, and then I also never had in a manager um, or, or any person who was a lead on the tech side being a woman at all, you know. No matter what her her race was, and it didn't have any women leaders, you know, or managers in tech, and so I really, to be honest, I was I was going to accept it. You know, I was just like, this is this is just what, what it is. It is. You I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't control it. it. Yeah, I can't control it. This it is what it is. I I I chose. To technology and engineering, but it must just not be what people who look like me want to do. You know, like I can't control what people want to yeah. do. And so that was the way that I, you know, originally kind of felt about it. But there was one day when I was in a meeting and, um, you know, we're building out all of these like automated processes. And if you know anything about automation, what we know now is that it's getting rid of jobs, you know, like we're automating processes and, and, and we're creating systems that essentially re- remove the need for people. Correct. And after hearing in a conversation with the client, you know, like our tech team was kind of talked about what we were going to do, and then I actually literally heard the VP of technology at the client that we were working for say they're so glad about this because they will be able to get rid of an entire department. And th- and this came out of their mouth. <laughs> so I I and, and that was the moment where I just was like, I do not feel good about this. Um, and couldn't say it then in front of the client because they're paying the bills. But when they left, I talked to my team and I asked them, like, hey, do y'all feel good about this? And everyone, because of course, they don't look like me either. They are all like, yeah, of course. Like, why wouldn't we? It's it's a very high profile company. It's, this is a great project. Like, we're going to be doing a lot of great things. It's business.
1: And That's how It's business. You, right? It's
0: business. And so I, I had, of course, this like moral dilemma, this internal dilemma, because when I think about the people whose jobs are going to be lost and the and the people who might work in that department, they look like my dad. They look like my brothers, you know, like they look like my friends and people who I grew up with. And I just I was like, I don't wanna be responsible for my family losing jobs. Like that's that's not what I wanted to do. Um And so I would say a couple weeks later, I I put in my two weeks notice. Like, I I, I struggled with this for a little bit. A couple weeks later, put in my two weeks notice, had no idea what I wanted to do. Did not, of course, decide that I was going to start a nonprofit organization. Had nothing, nothing lined up. I just knew that I needed to figure things out. Um, I actually went on a whole year of soul searching and, you know, trying to serve and do like missions overseas. Um, And it was, while I was doing work overseas that I realized that I could use my tech skills for good. Right? Like my my experience and my education and technology could be used for something good. And I can't change that technology has taken over the world, but I can change who is losing their jobs and who's getting jobs. And so that's kind of what made me figure, you know, realize that our people, Need to be trained on these
1: systems, Uh, you know, so so that they're not
0: losing their jobs.
1: I mean, there's so much there. Um, you know, one, you're right. I mean, you can't, you're not going to stop innovation from happening. Uh, but the key is, how do we make sure it happens in an equitable manner, in the most equitable manner possible? And there will be inequities and there will be some suffering when you look at what happened with the industrial revolution, right? There are people that tell me, and they're right, that like, okay, it created a lot of jobs, but they're also forgetting about this tension and the jobs that were lost during those years. And that what those people that were like, like some lost generations. And then when the industrial revolution was going on, the amount of exploitation that happened, you're talking about child labor. You're mm-hmm. talking about unsafe conditions. Lots of people would die. And there needed to be a reshaping of how we view the economy with the industrial revolution. I believe, and I don't have the answers, yeah. but I, I, I know there needs to be a thought process in terms of how we're going to view the the emerging technologies, the AIs, the yeah. automations, the facial recognition That's what yeah. they're
0: calling the world that we're entering into, the fourth industrial revolution. Like that's what we say is we're preparing yeah. students for the but fourth it's, it's industrial revolution. It's larger than revolution. that though, right? Yeah. It's
1: larger than that because the industrial revolution, at the end of the day, you still needed, a. You still need, even though some jobs moved, you still needed people. And you will need mm-hmm. some people to do some of these things, but there will be... There's a lot of jobs that are that can be and will be probably replaced. And they'll so go away. Yeah, they'll go away. And the question is, uh, how do we make sure that people when we're talking about black people, brown people right now are positioned to not just be on the end of, be, uh, of being left out and exacerbating the inequalities we have now? Uh, I know I looked on your site. It says uh, you really mentioned the fact that 50 te- percent of, of of women, of black women in tech leave within the first five years. Yeah. Uh, you've already kind of alluded to what's uh, kind of contributing to that. I, w- I would also say uh, one of the, I think black women, I believe this is true, are the leading demographic for entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? I believe these two are related. Like people like to celebrate that, that line about, but I think the reason for that is because there is no support <laughs> within, yes. within corporate America. and It is not. And so they have to go out and, start as entrepreneurs. And that doesn't mean they're getting that type of support they need there. I mean, no. you're making a good point. Like 50% <laughs> of black women definitely leave tech. Like this is a monster problem you got. Let's say you were in charge of, you were president, mm-hmm. make Christina president today. What would you do immediately to to look at addressing these uh, wicked inequalities and, 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 and constructs? Yeah,
0: I mean, like some of the main reasons, you know, I made it seven years, thankfully, but some of the the main reasons that women and Black women are leaving, as you mentioned, technology are, you know, lack of community, lack, lack of clear opportunities for upward mobility. You know, so not seeing themselves in management and not seeing an opportunity for them to escalate um, into a a place of management as well. Toxic work cultures. (laughs) So like that's I think that would probably be one of the first things that I would do would be to address the the work cultures of companies that, you know, maybe thrive on technology, innovation or have, you know, or have like, you know, large, you know, monolithic groups of, you know, white men basically um and and kind of address what they what their work culture is how what is your process of onboarding putting policies in place for the onboarding processes recruitment processes for you know hr you know a lot of
1: what is your process i would say just interrupt you what's the process for your processes too like these people they go in and create these algorithms that are, and they end up doing things like the racist Microsoft bot they're surprised. is because you yes. had a, you had a flaw, your process is flawed.
0: Yeah. Processes <laughs> are flawed. And, and just like we regulate so many things in like the health industry, you know, and, and in science, there should be regulations, you know, in place for, for the, the toxic work cultures and, and the inequitable, um, recruiting practices that a lot of these companies, uh, participate in.
1: Yeah. So, um, Let's talk, let's actually pivot a little bit, talk about the future of hype if we can a little bit. I'd like to, um, what do you think in terms of your vision, hype successful, what does that look like 10 years from now? What what does success look like to you in order Mm -hmm. for, for hype?
0: Yeah, so we are, you know, we're building a pipeline of leaders. So there's a, there's a pipeline from K through 12 into the tech space. And for women of color or girls of color, it's broken. There are cracks, you know, there, there are holes, there are leaks. And, and for some reason, what girls of color are not making it into like college and career in the tech space. So we're building a pipeline. Success means that that pipeline is replaced or repaired or rebuilt where, you know, we are seen as a, you know, just like HBCUs are starting to maybe be see, or people are trying to see them more as like where you go to recruit, you know, diverse talent where hype is seen as, as an organization that schools and companies come to, to like source and, and find, you know, their talent, if, especially if they're looking for diverse talent. We want to see our girls, you know, be across the country, be able to go to school major in, you know, I, I graduate high school in Georgia, I go to college in DC. Another student graduates, you know, high school in California, goes to the same college in DC. They're in the same, you know, intro to computer science class and they both were a part of the Hype program. You know, like we want to, we want to see those connections built and success looks like when we find and we identify and see women matriculating into leadership, whether it be in tech or not, that we can pinpoint where they where that interest was sparked, you know, and where that flame was fired and and was fueled, and it would be through hype or because of hype.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I believe that's so important because part of what we have to do, a a large part of what we have to do is to change the mindset of, we're talking about, um, you know, Black women, but this goes for Black people overall as well, change the mindset of what we're supposed to do and what is possible when the world says this is who you are, this is what you're supposed to do, and having to always fight against that narrative. Is there anything you do in particular to go to really talk about improving the, I guess, the emotional uh, intelligence and, the, and, and, the, and pouring into them when a lot of people are trying to take away from them, if that makes sense, trying to tear down you know, Black women? Uh, how do you go about uh, uh, approaching that within your curriculum, within your leadership development program? Does my question make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and there are so many messages that we, and voices that we have to fight against every day for the girls that, that we serve and and work with. But, you know, we let them know that this, this, it's, you know, we have a mantra that it's more than code. It's not just about coding. It's not just about technology. I mean, to be honest, the coding is just a skill that we're teaching you, right? It's just a skill that, that we're helping you. Just like We could be teaching you writing, you know, for all I care, but it's a skill that we are teaching you. But our curriculum really um, drives on, we call them the five, you know, the five hype scholar profiles, but they're kind of like pillars of success that our girls should grow in. And they all begin with a C, but we're helping our girls um, grow in courage. So develop courage, um, curiosity. So remaining intellectually curious, um, celebration. So we, we emphasize celebration and not competition with one another. Hey Amen. Um, that's important. Create. Yeah, <laughs> creativity. <laughs> so you know, helping them to understand that they can use their natural creative bits and you know their love for art and fashion and you know like entertainment and and combine those passions with technology and
1: um, because technology c- is not get on before you get to your fifth one. This is yeah. an important point because technology is not boring. I a think a, a, a lot of us got the view that what it means if I'm going to be in technology, I have to sit through and learn a bunch of boring equations, which you got to do some of that, but that's not the, that's not the end all be all. And, some of it is just understanding the process, and you can and you can you can really be creative. I mean, there's yeah. some of the most creative. It's mostly creative, it's mo- especially exactly. now, exactly. you
0: know. And we, you, you can find anything you want on Google. I don't have to memorize any algorithm. I don't no. have to memorize any formula. Yeah. Like I, it's all creative. It's all about you just like, need to understanding learn how to learn. what I want to do. Yeah, yep. and to really learn how to being learn. creative about what you want to what you want to you know create, and then you know. Understanding you do have to understand technology because you kind of have to un- you have to understand what's possible, but um, it's it's creativity is is so huge. Um, and then the last thing is community. So and and community not just with one another, but being community um, minded in what you create. So understanding who it is who it imp- impacts, what are their habits, what are their needs, what are their what are their life and their process. And one of the things that we do that we didn't get a chance to do this year, you know, and hype got a lot of attention this past year but one of the things that I that is our signature program that we actually didn't get a chance to do and no one really knows about or has spoken about lately is our international experience trip and that is kind of where that community is built in where we this is a core piece of our program where our students learn how to code They go through it, you know, an after school program. Then we teach them how to teach others. Um, Studies show that you retain 90% of what you teach. So we train them on like, how can you look at what you've learned and think about other people's learning styles and techniques and how can you get them to understand the same thing? So they learn how to teach others and then we take them overseas where they lead a one week coding camp for kids in different cultures and really begin to understand why community is important and why thinking about other people's, you know, Experiences and backgrounds are important in the things that we create, and so that kind of holistic um, approach that we take in developing our girls is honestly, it's it's why hype is going to be successful. It's why it is successful today, and it's why our girls are going to be more than just coders. You know, like they are going to be world changers and
1: influencers. Yeah, that's that. That's great. So, what is it- the most difficult challenge in this process if you had to you know narrow it down if you could think about a a story without obviously identifying who the people are but w- what's been the most challenging moment you've had during this during your journey here i'm sure there's there's some story that that sticks out
0: yeah. I mean, battling the messages, you know, is one of them. So like combating everything else that our girls are going through. Um, student recruitment and retention is another one because we not only work to serve, you know, like girls of color, but we really um, intentionally focus on students from low income and like rural communities. So reaching them and recruiting them is a struggle. It's a challenge, especially, you know, today when where everything is virtual. But I would also say that and I have more than one um, experience in the challenge being, of course, lack of funding from like companies and like foundations and and funders who don't understand who want to see numbers more than they want to see impact.
1: Yeah, you oh, know, they,
0: yep. like they actually don't care about no. my girls. You know, they they, they don't want to care check the they they to check deep.
1: the box approach. I say, oh, how yeah. many people did you get in there? Hundred. Yeah. It that fits my quota. Versus, yeah. if we got twenty people and made a huge impact, exactly. or we served a hundred people just to say because the grant says serve hundred people. Yeah,
0: yeah, okay. and we and that's a challenge because I will not. You know, budge it's, there and and it's it's, it's hard the
1: nonprofit to, uh, yeah it's the non-profit political <laughs> yeah. BS world. I've yeah uh, so I get a lot. Get
0: Exactly. And I get a lot of, you know, like people who want to encourage me to be like, oh, like, why don't you just do this or you need to go after government funding and you need to do A, B and C. But like some of these models and some of these a lot of the grants don't allow us to have the level of impact and really go deep into the lives of our students like we want to. And at the end of the day, they are going to be our, you know, Sounding board, right? They're going to the programs and the students, and the impact is going to speak for itself. And even if it takes longer, um, like we're, we are about this mission, is personal to me. It's very personal to me, and so I see every person who goes through the program, and they are personal to me. And so we do what what we have to do to make sure that they're successful.
1: I mean, that's yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, when when you think about the people, a lot of folks that are funding this, they're not. They're not proximate to the problem, so they or to the issue. So they it's easy to to offer solutions uh when you don't have to go through what the people are going through. So I I found that a lot of these organizations, some well-meeting, some not well-meeting, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't measure intentions, I measure results and what you actually do. Uh when you don't have to live in the communities, if you don't have to deal with the communities, you have uh, a bias and something prefixed in your mind that is not actual in alignment with how things are actually going. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you just doing some because I've done a lot of this work too, the one of the biggest challenges I had, that's definitely part of the challenge, uh not having culturally competent uh, leadership in some of the foundations or, or or really sincere leadership. But in terms of internally, the issue I uh, the biggest issue I think is our is some of the sometimes the parents. And I say this in a way that, you know, um, as I have empathy for the parents too, who have been victimized in their own way, yeah. but sometimes they've, they've internalized that narrative and they, and they, and they hold their kids back because yeah. of things they've been through and what they think is not possible. Yeah. Have you ever dealt with something like that? And how, yeah. how do you, how do you navigate that? I think that is one of the biggest challenges I've seen. Like, how do you, how do you navigate getting parents on board? Cause sometimes parents can be obstacles too.
0: Absolutely. Like we, it's unfortunate because we can't just do our program. No, no, <laughs> you
1: know? like, we can't.
0: I wish, I wish, I wish we could just do it, <laughs> but yeah. we can't. You know, like we have to provide, you know, thought leadership to companies to help them understand, like, and really see the problem. And we have to do the same thing for parents because not only can they be a, a hurdle, but they don't. Under- and our programs are free. So the, the student's not paying anything, but they but we need the, the parents involvement and engagement. And they don't quite understand the long term yeah. um, impact of going through a program like this in their child's life like they can being in a basketball
1: camp. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Because, that's, or, something, because that, that's the narratives that have been presented yeah. as this is what you do to be successful. You become yeah. an athlete. You become an entertainer. And I mean, that's a that's the dominant narrative, right? Yeah, we need to make yeah. it popular to be uh, in tech.
0: Yeah, and that's why representation matters. And so, like one of you know, sometimes what we have to do is we have to play. Like we've had to play like just a very intentional mentoring role for some of the our students. Like dry, like saying like, "Hey, your parent can't pick, you can't bring you to, to the program, or they're not going to let you stay after school because you need to do A, B, and C." Like we step in and actually show the parents that we care. Uh, you know, I think that's a big thing is showing you know the parents that we. We're not just trying to, well, we're not trying to take anything from them, but we want to be a part of their lives. We care. We will provide transportation. We will, you know, write letters of recommendation. Like, we will help them do get whatever they need outside of, you know, being a part of our program. But another thing about representation is when we do info sessions for the program, one, inviting the parents and like, Possibly, like one of the strategies that we take is being a part of um, the parent, um, student, teacher or student teacher, parent teacher night at a school. So that it's not just about us, but the parents are gonna be there anyway. And we just kind of step in as well. And having other women who have been successful in technology who look like us talk about, you know, the importance, talk about their career path, talk about, you know, the struggles that maybe they had because they didn't learn this in high school, but they didn't take the, the opportunity to participate in it. Talk about how much money they're making. Talk about why how they're able to take care of their parents and their grandparents now that they, you know, kind of work in this industry. So we have to it's not enough for for our parents and our kids' parents to know that technology is a successful career path because what they don't know is that their kid can be successful in it. So we have to show them people who have done it and that this can happen for your kid as well.
1: Oh that's great. Um wanna we'll move on to the to the third and final segment of, of the show. Um and to think about your kind of uh, what uh, long term legacy about w- about you, and get some kind of insight questions that I always like to ask. Uh, who inspires you, and why?
0: Yeah, um it's it's funny cuz I actually was just asked this question last week for like a different blog, but the people who inspire me and I'm so glad to give them a shout out publicly, but they're not people who who y- y'all are really going to know, right? So, I mean, they're people who are who have are close to me and have been a part of my growth and development. And so, you know, one of those people are, you know, my mom. Shout out to mom, you know, face me. Hey mom. Um, hey mom. <laughs> Who like what I what I learned from her was um, like persistence, how to care, you know, like how to truly care about um, people, how to be a giving person. Um, I talk about my. I'm, I'm I'm also like. A very spiritual person, very involved in my church, and there's a, I have a small group, and my small group leader at my church, you know, really shows me, uh, inspires me because she's so intentional about, you know, like the way that she communicates and interacts with all of the other people in the small group, and I see the benefit of that intentionality, and not just doing things because it looks good, you know, or whatever, um, but doing like loving people and treating people the way that they need to receive it, and understanding that every person is an individual, and we need to be intentional about like our engagements with them at, you know, their individual
1: level. Um, I'm curious before you go on that, I'm curious yeah. with your small group there, mm-hmm. I, I think it's so important to have a group of uh, friends, family, yeah. that you can lean on that's supportive, but is also willing to uh, wound you with the truth,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: That is willing to tell you when something's in your teeth, you know, metaphorically, and oh, yeah. real, right? So yeah. <laughs> uh, can you can you remember the last time you were wounded with the truth and and, and, and how you grew and responded from that?
0: I would probably say the person who wounds me with the truth the most is my oldest sister. <laughs> <laughs> it's always your sisters. So give me yes. a truth she
1: wounds you with. Yeah, I her, 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 yeah, yeah, the,
0: yeah. Her name is Kenitra but what's Kenitra. the what's the 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 the, the, tr- the most recent or the one that has like impacted me the most? Um she's gotten better at her um messaging. <laughs> And her, and, her, and, her, and her messaging and her approach. But um, so I would say that, gosh, what's something that she that she shared with me? Sorry, i No, thinking. you're
1: fine. You're fine. Um, I didn't prepare you with this question. Sorry. No, no, it's I, to, it's I told totally you it goes fine. like a conversation. I just yeah, go with the flow no, of
0: it. it's totally fine. One, one thing that she... Oh, so my sister is, is also like a professional um, like publicist she does marketing and public relations and you know things like that and one thing that I as a leader of, of hype i and I think as like an engineer by trade I've never wanted a spotlight I still don't to be honest like i'm not very comfortable um in that space and so i have always tried to like manage like our program and our organization, put processes in place, like lead and tell like tell people what to do, but not want to kind of be like a forefront leader. And I don't think if you're a leader, you have to be in, in the spotlight, you know, or anything like that. But one thing that she has recently shared with me is that, like, sometimes people. Want to know about me? It, kind of like this, like um, interview. She's like Christina. Sometimes, like you do a great job of talking about hype. You know what I mean, and what you do, and you know the impact you're making, and and blah 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 blah. But sometimes, like you have to let people in, and they just want to know about you. You know, and and that's what's going to like, wh- like they want to know about your background. They want to know, like what
1: what something, that, you know, some truth that somebody told you. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And I you think that's had an
1: impact on you. Yeah, to her point, I think they also want to know. I think inherently people want to know your, your 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 why, your your yeah. compelling mission. Your yeah. your what what you're doing is extremely important. Yeah. How you're doing it is important. I mean, one of my favorite authors is Simon Sinek. If you read the book, Start With Why. Start with Why, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is that is important because people yeah. people follow organizations and do things for the long term, not for yeah. the what or the how, but for the why. Yeah. And so people are going to contribute to you because they uh, they believe in you and they yeah. believe in your vision. And so the fact that it's, it's not, of course, it's not about you per se. Yeah. It is about what you stand for. It, it is. is about your narrative and your and story that, and your story and how that reinforces yeah. into the mission. So... I'm a believer that you can't tell your story enough. Like I, I've, yeah. I've told my story so many times people are probably sick of it, but my why is extremely yeah. clear about w- what I do and why I do it. And I've had people tell me, well, you shouldn't tell that. Cause you know, people might think you're not smart. I think I've told you my story that I had a learning disability. Have yeah. one, I man, I ADHD, fine. Yeah. And you know, I was told I was stupid and all that stuff, but teachers were wrong. I I've, I've yeah. graduated engineering and law. And my goal is to make sure people know they don't have to be defined or confined by their current situation or the narrative that people present them.
0: Yeah, and that's your conflict, right? And what and what she shared with me is that there people don't go to the movie. Like, what makes any good like story and makes something that people are talking about for years and years to come is the conflict that occurs and how they over overcame it. And I have also kind of grown up, growing up as a black woman in Louisiana, have also have grown up to be strong and to not let people see, you know, any type of weakness. Not not to let people too close. You know, like you got to do th- things this way. And she really just kind of share with me that if you're really going to lead, like lead this organization into the next, you know, like phase, like some, some of it is like you just being more like vulnerable as the leader. You can't, I can't, this is my baby, you know, like hype is my baby and I can't have someone else kind of come in and take it into a place where I know that's not, it's not destined to go.
1: Um, So, yeah. All right. Let's say you got a committee of Three, living or dead, advising you on, it could be for hype, it can be for life, it can be for whatever, future aspirations, business, whatever, mentorship. Tell me who these three people are and why.
0: Uh, Yeah. You actually did send me this question, but I didn't think about it. I was like, oh, he's not going to ask me this one.
1: I always ask the question. (laughs) Dearly.
0: (laughs) It's like, like, there's so many questions in here. This is not going to get asked. Um, so I would say, first, I would say, because it's living or dead, right? Living um, dead, yes. Jesus Christ, oh number God, one. one. Yeah, number one. Um, JC, uh, well, and I can also talk about why, like, because you know, I can't assume that everyone knows, you know, like who Jesus is, but like, why is because again, like I talk about intentionality, but because of his intentionality with people, and you know, whatever being Jesus, like even people who he knows are not going to, you know, take his advice or you know do what he wants or whatever. But like, so, just, what would you um, ask
1: Jesus? You got Jesus in front of you. What are you going to oh, ask? Gosh. What you going to ask Jesus? Well, I, would, I would ask him <laughs> how. I, I would say how on earth
0: lord <laughs> were you able to have dinner with Judas <laughs> <laughs> that's a good
1: question <laughs> no one, no one was about no to happen what is going to do. See, that's why he's chosen. Because I would have had to beat down Judas. I'm just being I honest. I'm a Christian. Down- like- <laughs> what? As soon as I
0: became privy to what he was going to do in the future, I'd have beat him down. And he would have been like, what, what you beating me for?
1: <laughs> like, because I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you can't yeah, can give me the power to, to predict the future and see my who's about to betray me. I'm like. Mm.
0: Yes, not going to have it. Um, yeah. So,
1: All right. Jay-Z, what, what would you ask, Jay-Z?
0: Uh, no. I said J C. Jesus oh, Christ! Oh, yeah. I thought you
1: said J Z. Next. Okay, no, no, bad. no, 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 no. Okay, Jesus Christ. And so Sorry. I didn't have my second one. No, didn't have okay. second
0: one. No, it's okay. Yeah, second. my second one would be. Gosh, I'm, I've been really inspired by um, Stacey Abrams um, lately. I want to meet her. <laughs> yeah, I live in Georgia. I, I should. I should know her. Um, but I think what I would ask her. Is, uh, you know, or if I'm looking for a mentor, just looking for advice, but I think I would just kind of like ask her to be a mentor for me in that, you know, continual perseverance, you know, like the continual fight in the face of, you know, things seemingly, things seeming as if it's just not going to turn around. You know what I mean? I I can personally
1: attest to (laughs) how much dedication she has. So I ran for public office in Ohio. Mm -hmm. I I ran statewide, uh, believed the whole time I was going to win because most of the time, Ohio was a swing state and we're we're just not a swing state right now. I think there's no argument there. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, but like, I know how hard it is, how much you have to put on the line. And when you do that, and she was worse than me, she was cheated out of it, right? I mean, yes. she's, and she, and she still and went She pulled, kept going. And that's she kept thing. going. I mean, I that's, would, I'd have be been like, all right,
0: on to the next. You know, yeah. like,
1: it just wasn't <laughs> for me. Because there's a whole <laughs> lot to, you, you, you give a whole lot of yourself to run for public office. Yeah. And unless you've done it, people really don't have an idea. I mean, people are giving St- Stacey credit as they should mm-hmm. and accolades as they should. Uh, but people have no idea the amount one has to give up. Yeah. If they're if they're serious about trying to help people and they're running for office and you're not just uh, wealthy on your own, it's a lot to give up. Yeah. It it is. So like I, I agree with you on that. Okay. Who's your yeah.
0: Third? I love her. Um. And then my third would, um, it would probably be people might be surprised. I'm going to say this, but um, Kimberly Bryant. She's okay. the CEO of and the founder of Black Girls Code. And the thing like people try to compare me with other similar organizations all the time. And again, like we teach our girls celebration and not competition. Yeah. So I'm not in competition with anyone doing anything similar. Um, but it would you, be like
1: you're in compliment, like you said, because listen, mm-hmm. uh, I tell this people all the time. because There's similar people in my space that say we. There's not enough people doing this, so I'm yes. never going to say yes. it's bad. Like we're not a we're not in competition to no. figure out how we can really help people. Yeah, we are complimenting to figure out how we can complimenting. We have the but,
0: same mission, yes. and and I think that by, like my question to her would be a business question because right now we're based in in Georgia, but we want to scale. You know, we want to you know go nationwide. So it would you know like be advice on you know what does that look like to have like these regional models where you're able to scale your organization. In your company um, nationally, and how how were you able to do it? You know, as a black woman in this space. Yeah. Um, so yeah,
1: that's a great question. All right, two more two more uh, fast and quick questions. Okay. So, uh, an important truth you have that very few people agree with you on.
0: Um, so that would be kind of what I mentioned earlier about um, success does not equal like. Chasing numbers, you know what I mean. So, like, that's a conviction that I have, and you know, success for us is about impact on the individual level, and we are not going to chase after, you know, exposing one million girls to code or you know, or to science or STEM, and then at the it after that one day workshop or exposition, they they never do anything else exactly. With it again. You exactly. Exactly. But, but that's just not what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, no, I I get it. All right. Final question. You have a billboard or a Google ad that summarizes your belief. It's a saying. What does that say and why?
0: Yeah. So I did think about this question and (laughs) it would be keep God first and everything else falls in place. And, you know, I. this is my mantra. This is not easy even for me to do, especially in like business, because, you know, in in nonprofit and entrepreneurship, like everybody has, you know, advice for you and everybody has a strategy and things never work out. And I've wanted to give up so many times, something that my sister, you know, has had to like get me back on the horse like so many times and saying like and having me to remember like how many times have you, you know, like either messed something up or thought something wasn't going to work out and, or whatever. And at the end of the, at the end of the day, because you kept God first, like it turned out, why, like, is this any different? Like she's had to remind me, like, is this any different? Oh, okay. Okay. So, so you're good. Right. Um, and so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good. But that's good but that, accountability partner. Yeah. Yeah. She's, I, I hope she doesn't <laughs> hear this cause I don't want to give her the credit, but she's pretty, she's pretty <laughs> awesome. But whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what it would be. Is that um, like, you know,
1: so I have, a cha- I, have a, I have a challenge to that. How do you make sure you're keeping God first? I think that's, I think yeah. it's, it's, it's easy to say, right? It's easy
0: to say. It yeah. has to be practical. And
1: I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh nehisi Coates, one of his books, I just can't remember which one, but <clears throat> uh, it, uh, it cited a letter from a, from a town in Pennsylvania. It was an all white town that was fighting against having black people integrated into their, into their, into their town, into their city. And, and they sent a letter to the government it was and it was phrased like this i say we're we're good going christian people i'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. a little bit but this is essentially mm-hmm. what they say we're good going christian people uh we obey the rules we just don't want black people coming to our area and so these are people and i think there's a whole lot of people that call themselves christians that believe it that go to church every sunday and they do things all day, every day, that are in direct opposition, and we're not talking about making a mistake. like, okay? Like, yes, we, mm-hmm. we. I'm saying, like, you, you, you believe you're a Christian, and you go out every day and you practice racism.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> like so, I mean, like, that's it's a, like that's a question of just Christianity. Like, that is, you're not keeping <laughs> God first. You're not a Christian. <laughs> you know I mean? like, that's just that's just what it is. But people, people like, believe this stuff, right? I mean, I, I, I tell I people, I look, at, I, look, it. I look at, I look at, I look at, like this, Christina. Right? I think to really keep God first, it requires a level of constant self-awareness because it's so easy to put ourselves first over God and to believe we're putting God first. But in, in practice, we're putting something else first. And I think unless we're willing, this is, I'm giving you my opinion. I want to hear yeah, yours. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. unless you're willing to check yourself day in and day out, um, you're, you're, you're you're not going to put God first. So how do you do that?
0: Uh, so I, I would say, so in that situation, I think it actually is all about other people loving other people like it's not even just like it's the answers putting God first and, and loving God, but you can't like love God or put him first if you don't love other people. And when I say other people, I mean, every person, every people, every person does not matter how they're alike from you, how they're different from you, like what they do to you. And so I was talking to my husband about this the other day, because I was, th- I think about this actually a lot. And so I was, you know, tell it's it's hard when you are so busy to actually like be intentional about like other people, you know, what it I is mean? Hard. And, and yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, on it's something when, I'm
1: not very good at. I'll be very What does this honest. look like?
0: Yeah. So I was like, what does this look like? And so it, it's little things like it's, I've started to try to like put in practice as soon as someone else comes across like my mind, I'll text them and say like, hey, I'm thinking about you. You know, like what? what you know, is there, any, is there a way I could pray for you? How are things going? I schedule so much in my calendar. So when you talk about like putting it at first, I schedule so much in my calendar. Why? If I'm not scheduling like things that I need to do for other people in my calendar as well, then I'm not keeping God first and I'm not making other people intentional as well. I'm making everything else in my calendar first and whatever extra time that I have left is the time that I'll give, you know, to other people that's not putting them first. And so with the, with the God thing, like I have to spend, and I don't, and I'm saying, I'm saying this because this is something that I believe I don't always do it. So I'll be the first to say that. And I, I need, you know, just something I'm trying to get better at, but the first part of my day, I try to wake up, earlier now and spend the first part of my day, 45 minutes to an hour, put it on my calendar, set an alarm to like spend some time just meditating, you know, and, and praying and trying to see like what God says and not allowing, this is where it gets hard is whenever there's a deadline, I have a grant due, I have something else going on and it's easy to be like, Oh, but if I don't write this grant, then I won't get the money, you know, and I'm (laughs) a shoe, I'm a for the money. So if I choose to do that other thing and say, well, God is going to understand, you know, or whatever, then I'm not keeping God first. And it's not that he won't understand, but it's, it's about me and it's about my heart and my I thought in my position and if if my mantra is everything is going to fall in place then I have to believe that truly believe that it's going to fall in place because I kept God first and not because of something else that I did to make the other things happen.
1: Oh that's so well stated. You know as we conclude if you look at any anything that we need to be more intentional about uh from a book I read I think it's called Atomic Habits that's the book yeah Atomic Habits uh we don't and I'm paraphrasing we don't we don't rise to the level of our aspirations we we fall to the level of our systems so it's really about creating habits and being intentional about what you want to do uh versus hoping and being aspirational about it like you're going to you're going you're going to you're going to fall every time to your aspirations every time. But, but you will meet with whatever you are intentional about and have systems and habits in place uh and it's something we have to we have to continually put more habits and be more intentional uh yeah when it if comes someone to all looks things. at your
0: calendar and/or your bank account, they should be able to know what you prioritize or what's important to you. If they look at your calendar, what you put on your schedule, and if they look at where what you give your money to, then they should be or how you spend your money, then they should be able to know what's important to you. And if you, what you say is different than what you know appears from that, then you, there needs to be some type of reconciliation that happens.
1: Yeah, Christina Newton, <laughs> you, dropped, <laughs> hey, you dropped the mic right there. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. Look forward to having yeah, you. Yeah, no the problem.
0: Thank you.